Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The wait is finally over. Football is back. And look, you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Oh, I don't know. For example, maybe you bet on the Bears plus three underdogs yesterday to squeeze out a victory. And from game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always that online casino as well. Guess what? It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome to the pod, everyone. Happy week and it is a bears week and it is a baseball week too as well so we wanted to talk a little chicago cubs baseball with 12 games to go in the season day off on monday get back into action on tuesday against the cleveland indians so bringing in a cubs expert singular we're missing one of our boys today dom fortini congratulations to him our little gino fortini you know <laughs> short time listener future first time caller we're, we're rooting for both of you guys. We can't wait to get you back in the pod. But today we're talking to Sean Graves. How are you, Sean? I am doing great, Joey. Thank you so much for having me once again. Absolutely. Congrats to little Gino, Kerry Wood Fortini. We all look forward to meeting him and hearing his voice very, very soon. Also, absolutely bear, bear, bear down. What a crazy ass Sunday for, for sure. And I'm just glad to be here after a historic, historic Cubs Sunday afternoon. And while the, the uh, listeners at home can't see it, I'm definitely wearing my Alec Mills glasses for our, uh, our podcast recording here. They look exactly, they look very, very replica. And uh, yo, uh, what a great weekend in Chicago sports. Okay. I know we're talking Cubs, but honestly, you know, the White Sox are rolling right now. I, I, I have to be, we can't be remiss and just mention that. Sure. The Bears come back with a 21-point fourth quarter to overcome a 17-point deficit to win a football game in week one. Did not see that coming. And then talking about not seeing things coming, Alec Mills, and I believe his 15th or 16th major league start, the journeyman, after 650 minor league innings, throws a no-no against the Milwaukee Brewers. Let's just sort of talk about the totality of the Milwaukee Brewers series because, you know, last week we were losing three out of five to the Cardinals. It was just brutal. These seven-inning doubleheaders are just crushing us. We're sort of losing our grip a bit on the division. We somehow figure out a way to get win two against three against Cincinnati. And then this Milwaukee Brewers series might have just turned the season around for us, Sean. Yeah, I think 100% correct. I mean, first off, let's just keep winning series. When we win series, good things happen. You know, and, and it's so crazy how I think I saw a beat reporter tweet, uh, tweet out that this felt like the Cubs' 2018 offense, and he was spot on, and it was going that way again. We were on another one of these long-ass streaks of not scoring runs, and then Jay Hay, Captain Jay Hay, puts on his Superman cape and says, hey, oh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, Billy Hader, here we go, buddy. Smack. Three-run bomb. Cubs take the lead, and the weekend feels a lot better. And the momentum, the momentum, it carries over. And it carries over, and we capitalize on it, which was another great sign to see, not just getting a no-no from Alec Mills, but putting up 12 runs, you know, scoring runs in every inning. It wasn't just one big crooked number. They just kept yes. coming and kept scoring. That was the Cubs team that we saw when we brought you on and we were 13-3. and three. You know, we were saying, what the hell is going on? The bottom of this lineup was scoring runs. They were scoring runs late in the games. It kind of looked reminiscent of that on Sunday. And Captain Jay Hay, let's just sit in this for a second. 
by far our most consistent offensive player outside of Ian Happ. I mean, even, dare I say, maybe a little bit more consistent than Ian Happ at times. And this guy, much maligned, great defensive right fielder, the great speech in 2016. Yeah. Everyone thinks that he's overpaid, hasn't lived up to expectations. But you know what, man? These past two seasons, I'm completely on board with Jason Hayward. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that he is on the team right now. And I think that is something that maybe Cubs fans haven't been able to fully say with their full hearts, the, you know, throughout the duration of his contract. Yeah, for sure. And I think yesterday you hear what Ross said that Hayward told him after the game, and it's exactly why he's perfect for this team. He went to Jay Hay around the sixth or seventh inning. Hey, man, it's a blowout. Do you want to come out of the game? He said, nope, I'm riding with Millsy. You don't take me out until Millsy comes out of the game. And I, I think as fans, you know, and I'm guilty, same as you, of just wanting to, to scream and shout at all the, the rollover ground balls for the 4-3 out throughout the, the Hayward Cubs career. But that ain't him this year. This year, that dude has come in with authority, with an approach that works for him, and he's hitting the ball hard, and he's having great success. And I got to say, you know, we've, we've given half his, his, his due, which rightfully so, and talked about him being an MVP candidate. How is Jason Hayward now not right there with him? On the team, Hayward is now third in war, only behind Darvish and Hendricks. He's ahead of half. He's got a 293 batting average that leads the team, which is 20 points higher than half. Granted, I think he's about 40 or 50 PAs behind him. His on-base is 413, best on the team. Second in OPS, only behind half. Second in slug, only behind half. And he's tied with half with a 153 OPS+. plus. Oh, and on top of that, Gold Glover in right field. So I think if Happ is getting those MVP votes in that conversation, so does Jay Hay have to be because the guy's been a stud this year. You mentioned the 293 batting average. For some on the Cubs, that's about 80 or 90 points uh, ahead of where they're at right now. We're going to get to that. Yeah. But yeah, how the tide has turned, right? When he came up, now he's, he's had some big hits in Milwaukee over the yes. past couple of seasons. And it's just at, at the point right now where when Jason Hayward came up in that situation, in years past, I would definitely go, oh, no. Um, yeah. We're looking at a jam shot, soft floater to the shortstop. We're looking at, you mentioned, the rollover to the, to the second baseman. But he's just been squaring up the baseball a lot more consistently this season, and I was happy to see him up at the plate. And it just seems like he's getting to fastballs a lot easier this year. Definitely also seems like he's, he's working counts, but – when he first came to the Cubs, I almost felt like he was overworking counts, you know, spitting on pitches 2-1 that were actually really good hittable pitches, thinking that there was going to be some sort of better pitch coming down the trough, which never, ever came. I do like that he's being a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. And I've just seen him hit the ball and the screws. You know, I've seen him hit the ball perhaps harder at times this season than, you know, dare I say maybe Javi Baez all season long. Oh, yeah. And, and it, it's, really been, it's really been nice to watch. And again, the second half, of this Cubs lineup, something that we were worried about this season has really carried them because the middle of our order continues to struggle. Well, yeah, and I think what you just said about him in the past, you know, staring at a pitch when he shouldn't have, you know, we're dealing with 2020 and COVID being a virus, right? I think a virus in that Cubs lineup is there's too much of staring at pitches down the middle of the plate, which they should be doing damage on, and then getting behind 0-1, 1-2, and then going out of the strike zone. Hello, Javi Baez. But I think, you're, I think you're spot on about, about Hayward. And the stat that I loved about that is they said that he's only the second lefty that Hayter has faced in his career 
that has gotten to a two-strike uh, count and taken him deep. Only Bellinger and now Jay Hay has gotten to a two-strike count against Hayter and taken him out of the ballpark. Two guys, and Hayter's been around for a bit now, and he's been a stud for a bit now. Now it's only Bellinger and Jay Hay on a two-strike count that has taken him deep from the left side. That tells you what kind of year he's having that he's squaring a guy like that up and going yard on him. That's Soundbite City. That is a great yeah. stat right there. Unbelievable. Let's get back to the pitching staff. Let's talk a little bit about Alec Mills. And Millsy, after a couple of rough starts, has now kind of gotten back on the track that yeah. he was heading on early on in the season. His ERA is back under four right now. You know, that curveball looked amazing yesterday. His two-seam fastball inside to left-handers has also been a weapon all season long. You know, we can talk all you want about the no-hitter yesterday, but let's project this a little bit forward. I mean, in 2021, at the very least, I think Alec Mills is penciled in as your number five starter. Yeah, I think he has to be, right? He's controllable, won't cost a lot of money. He's not done anything to say, hey, I shouldn't be on the team. I shouldn't be given a spot. And especially considering you're probably – Losing Quintana and Chatwood for sure. Lester's probably not coming back. You're going to need arms, and you can't go out and drop 20, 25 mil a piece on two or three new starters. The Cubs just won't have the money for that. So I think you're spot on about that. And what I, you know, what I, what I love yesterday about that game is listen to him talk after. He talked about how he went to Caratini after the first inning or two and was just saying, like, dude, my legs are tired. I don't have control over my two-seamer. So they readjusted. So Caratini said, okay, let's start bringing in that slow-ass breaking ball. And even Craig Council said after the game, he was like, man, that breaking ball was a huge weapon for him in the game, which is crazy because, right, you're watching a guy throwing a, a 70 mile per hour pitch up there, and you're like, this is beer league softball. How are these guys not just taking him bridge left and right? But he dominates with that pitch, man. He dominates with it. I was going to say it's about 10 mile per hour away from the EFIS. It was yeah. really close. Really I mean, it, it was a lollipop dandy. Uh, yeah. Let's see it again in slow-mo. Oh, no, wait. It's coming in real time right now. I thought it was incredibly impressive. And not to get too far down the road because, you know, we've got a, some playoffs coming up. But next year, you're, you're hitting it right on the head with you got to make a decision on Lester. And, you know, to be honest, is he going to – I'm sure both sides would like to bring him back, but at what price? Yeah. And at what price could Lester accept that didn't feel like some sort of slap in the face to a guy who is one of – you know, the great Cubs has had an amazing career. And let's be real, he's just not a $10 million pitcher anymore. He's no. probably in the $5 million, $6 million, tossing a bunch of incentives and see what you get out of it. Yeah. You're right on Chatwood and Katana, probably not coming back next year. So the way it's sort of shaping up for me is you got Darvish and Hendricks at the top. If you got to look at it, look at it as Mills perhaps is your number five. Yeah. I'm actually sort of coming around a little bit to maybe giving Azale in 2021 some actual run, yeah. like giving it to him as a number four, and then maybe going out and trying to buy a number three starter that you can yeah. actually hang your hat on. You know, maybe not a dude that's exactly going to break the bank, but someone that's just going to give you reliable quality innings. Not Jake Arrieta. Sorry. No. Sorry. I, I, I thought about it a couple of years ago and just A, it just doesn't seem like he's got the stuff anymore, and B, I just can't sit through four more excruciating innings of Jake Arrieta nibbling and, and foul yeah. balls and it being two and a half hours. We already, you know, we've got enough of that already on this pitching For staff. Sure. And it'll be really interesting to see what they do with that moving forward. But I think Mills is a piece that we can move forward with. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree. And, you know, and I, I think too, and I'm sure this will be a pod we do at some point in the off season is, you know, do the Cubs pay for a third, maybe four starter, or is that going to be one of the big trades we know is probably coming 
for certain this offseason, and they go out and get a couple arms that way via a KB, a Schwarber, a Hobby, whoever it may be, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that will be definitely an interesting time for the Cubs and a pivotal time too as well. But right now it's the team that we got is the team that we got. And, and it's funny, we're, it's like reading a long book, Sean, we're at this evolution now where we are ready to talk about the bullpen in a positive light. Yes. And let's be honest over these last couple weeks, it's been a pretty solid unit. Haven't heard a lot from them. And that is a good thing. And we do have an interesting situation where we are inching closer towards David Rossi having an interesting trio of pitchers to select from in the eighth and ninth inning with Rowan Wick, Jared Jeffress, and, dare I say, Greg Kimbrell. Fear the beard. Have you noticed that beard is coming back? I think, I think that's where his magic lies. He needs the Gandalf down there. The Chia Pet. The Chia Pet is back. Right. He's got... Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, I, I and I, I admit, man, when, when he came out Saturday in the ninth inning, we were texting, and it was like, if he, and I said to you, I was like, if he blows this save, he can never step foot in a high leverage spot again the rest of this season. Now, you said never step foot in Chicago, Illinois. No, no, no you're Chicago, right. Illinois, yeah. He has to get on so, a train and leave. So, but, 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 I mean, but here's what I'll say about that ninth inning that I think was slightly different is that. It, he wasn't hitting. He wasn't hitting guys. He wasn't walking everybody. Relievers are going to give up base hits. That's going to happen here. I think I have a little stat for you here, where I was looking his numbers up and what he's kind of done before the past week and a half. This season, he's faced 22 high leverage at bats. In those 22, you're talking six walks and a hit by pitch. So seven of 15, he's just put on. He's just put on base. And the biggest thing I saw, his batting average on balls in play, his BABIP, as we call it, is 500 in those situations. So if we can just get him back to get that rising fastball and to bring the walks back down and get his strikeups, which he's done the past, what, eight, ten games finally, I think we're going to get back to some – he's not going to be Kimbrel of, of the Braves or early Red Sox years, but we don't need him to be. We just need him to be at this point a really, really good seven slash eighth inning because I don't think – no matter what Kimball does, Jeffress is not coming out of that role. And he, and he shouldn't. He's, he's earned that role to this point. I agree with that. And look, you know, we're spinning the positives right now for two reasons. One, obviously, we need him if we're going to make a yes. deep playoff run. We do need Craig Kimball in there with that kind of stuff. And two, I just feel like last year, it was a real situation where he was giving up home run balls. Guys were jumping on his first pitch. He was getting hit around. Yeah. You start really thinking, does the guy still have the stuff to compete at the major league level? Yeah. We saw a little bit of that at the beginning of this season. And now what you're talking about, you know, you can't shoot yourself in the foot and you can't pitch in high leverage situations if you do dumb things like walk hitters and hit yeah. guys, especially in those moments, granted. But it just looks like the stuff is kind of leveled out a little bit and come back yeah. to the pack of, the Craig Kimbrell that got the $45 million deal, right? Yeah. And in this last performance, in my personal opinion, he had been banking on that slider so hard these last two or three, four outings. And kind of sort of what happened was, he, you know, he pitched a, he made a pitcher's pitch with a great slider to Hiara. He took it into center field for a soft yeah. little single. And then right after that, another soft little single over yeah. KB's head, which honestly, if Rizzo's playing first base as a left-hander, he probably Probably snags the liner as opposed to KB diving for it. Yeah. And two runners got on. Now I'm with you. That rising fastball looks like it's back. Mm -hmm. The control in general looks like it's been corralled, at least for right now. Do I give him the ninth inning? No, absolutely not. But it does give you some interesting options. 
you know, you could go to Kimbrel now, maybe in a seventh inning situation. Then yeah. you can maybe figure out a way where if the shit is hitting the fan, you don't have to get Rowan Wick up and turn the engine on as quick as you can and make him go four or five yeah. outs to get you to that ninth inning. It just gives you some more options, some mix and match situations. And also you get to protect a guy like Jeffress from going that third day in a row. I know it's only a 60-game season, but I think going three days in a row is going to be something that we're going to see in about two or three weeks. Yes. And it'd be nice to protect that over the next weekend. Sure. Yeah, and I agree. And, you know, that's the thing now is I think removing Kimball from the ninth and giving that to Jeffress, you really can't have him just be a, an even sixth inning, sixth, seventh, eighth inning guy, wherever we think we got top of the order coming up. It's 4-2. We're trying to protect the lead in the sixth inning. We go to him then, and you can hopefully trust him. It's not quite as high leverage as that ninth, even late inning start is. So I, I'm with you, and I think that fastball, not just as the rise coming back, the velocity is ticking up a little bit. And, it, you know, maybe it sounds a little goofy to think, oh, well, he's still throwing 97. But 97 to 99, it is, it is different. It is just, just enough of a difference, especially with the rise, to give him what he needs and strike guys out again. And if you're not trusting anything else as a hitter, you know, I'm just going to spit on this slider, don't care about it the very least you can still gear up for that fastball. And if it doesn't have that rise, doesn't have a little bit of that action, just comes out flat and straight. And that's how you battle yep. up the baseball. And it'll be really interesting to see, you know, Tapera is another guy that I think that we can kind of count on now in situations. They've been kind of mixing and matching a little bit earlier on in the game. And the guys for the most part have been getting the job done. And uh, the pitching staff as a whole right now appears to have kind of righted the ship just a little bit. Yep. We're going to get to the offense, but, I just want to talk about the schedule real quick because Cubs got 12 games to go. We're in an interesting position where our schedule is tough, but we get, you know, Monday off, two-game series with the Indians, then they get another day off, and then it's, you know, then it's riding, riding out to the rest of the season. Yeah. Let's just talk about what this week is going to look like because the Cardinals got three double headers. Yes. They're going to play the Brewers 10 times in their final games. You know, I'm trying to count the schedule right now I don't know if you noticed this but the Cardinals are 20 and 20 right now 40 games on their schedule I only see 18 more games yeah. on their schedule right now so it looks like they are going to fall short and play the percentage points thing which personally I don't know I think it's bullshit but I do too what, what, but whatever you know the season is the season and you know I think the Cardinals in a lot of ways made their bet on this but Major League yeah. Baseball is kind of giving them a bit of a break just your thoughts on what's going to happen this week because the division could be settled this week. The division yeah. could be up for grabs by the end of this week. We're entering a really, really interesting, exciting, high-octane time for baseball in the NL Central. Yeah, and, and you know, and if you're the Cubs, this is the week to make hay, right? I know you've got two good AL Central teams coming in, but it's at home. It's at Wrigley. The Cardinals are playing, like you said, three doubleheaders. They don't have a day off the next 14 days. They're every day full board. So they're going to have a, quite a few bullpen games coming up. And I know their bullpen's decent. But I'm sorry, arms wear down. You can't throw the same guys over and over and over. So you're going to get some of those guys from their alternate site coming up, going out there. So the Cubs got to make hay. And, you know, kind of taking the schedule into the, the Cubs pitching, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think it's Darvish tomorrow night. Now, the Cubs have the, the, the Thursday off as well. So you, if, you keep, if you keep the, the five-man rotation, Darvish wouldn't go till next Monday in Pittsburgh. Personally, me, I keep Darvish on five days, and I let him go Tuesday, and then I let him go again Sunday against the Twins. I think it might be even Darvish versus Berrios on Sunday if that's the case. I think I'd rather have him facing Minnesota, try to make some hay this week, rack up some wins at home, 
and then go into next week, hopefully, like you said, five, six-game lead in the division. And then it's really, really, really going to be hard for the Cardinals to make up six games in a week, especially when we have four games against Pittsburgh. I think the goal is also to have those Cubs-White Sox games to finish the season not mean a whole lot yes. and have that yes. central wrapped up. It probably will mean something for the White Sox for those final three games. Sure. So just letting you know, Cubs fans, right now, definitely try and take care of your business. And then that four-game series against the Pirates, you know, you got to definitely at least take three out yeah. of four from them right there to wrap this whole thing up. That's a great point that you're bringing up about Darvish. And I'll be honest with you, I bet they're probably contemplating that today after Mills threw 113 pitches yesterday. Yeah. It's more going to be a little bit more about making that decision with Mills where do you keep him on his time or do you maybe back him up a day? Yeah. And what do you do with that extra day? You know, it's so easy right now on paper to think that we should just go to a four-man because of the extra day and just, you know, skip – you know, who would it be? Al Alzale in this Alzale probably, yeah. In this particular situation. But at the same time, I I definitely want to continue to keep Darvish on schedule. And if that yes. means that one, you know, keeping him on that five days instead of going to six, that means we get one extra start from him. I'm all for it because on the days that he pitches, it's as close to as a guaranteed win as, as you can yeah. get. And if you can get three more starts out of Darvish, that's a possible three more guaranteed wins. We're at 28 wins right now. That gets you to yeah. 31 with 11 to go. You know, you start kind of doing the math. Yeah, absolutely. We've talked all along about, you know, if you get to 34, 35 wins in the division, that should probably do probably it. That's enough. the number. That's the number that I'm looking at right now. And as it stands right now, I believe all we have to do is, you know, go seven and seven over that final yeah. area to get to that number. So I, I'm with you on that. I bet you they're considering it today. I would not be surprised if they change their mind, maybe mix some things up this week. Well, and especially, you know, looking at, looking at the, the rotation this week, too, you know, you're, you're very fortunate when we get Cleveland, we're not going to be facing Shane Justin Bieber at all. We get Carrasco, and then I can't remember the other guy's name, but we don't get their top We get Savali. Yeah, that's right, Savali and, 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 uh, and Carrasco, so that's good. But the Twin Series, you're going to get Pineda, I think, Saturday, and Barrios on Sunday. So I'd like to throw some pitching versus pitching in that and try to, you know, again, let's win series. Win this year. We could take two or three against the Twins. And we go into next week. If we can have a week at home where you're looking at four and one, how tasty would that be? Knowing that four and one means you've probably you've probably gained some ground, unless the Cardinals just pull a rabbit out of their hat and go thirteen and zero this week, or whatever it is they're going to play. I mean, it's possible, right? But not very probable. You'd yeah. have to think that they're going to have, you know, they're going to have some bumps along the road. Just yes. this, it's just so tough for them. I mean, unless the Brewers absolutely cave in on their season, yes. which is possible after this weekend, let's be honest. Sure. You know, Hater's been getting touched up three of the last four times he's been out there. They're kind of falling apart. It's official. Christian Yelich is having a shitty season. You know, we can argue who's having a worse season, KB or Christian Yelich. It's probably a decent debate right there. Yeah. And, I, and I'm with you, especially with this coming weekend. The good news for me on all this is, honestly, John Lester does not have to pitch against the Minnesota Twins. Yes. That was just – that's, oh, an, no, that's, no. A, that's an ERA breaker, my friend. No, 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 no. That would have been a huge, huge, huge issue. I'm glad well, that we can just sort of skip that. And, and not just that, pitching against the Twins at Wrigley, where, which amazingly, Lester has been – awful at Wrigley and pretty damn good on the road. I'm not really, you know, he, he's like Hendricks in reverse, right? So it's really weird to see those splits. And let's talk about Wrigley and the Cubs at home because there's been a lot of, 
you know, outliers, interesting stats. And, you know, we've got a winning record at home. That's not a big surprise. We were an excellent home team last year, horrible road team this year. We've sort of shored up our performance on the road. Yeah. But us at Wrigley Field, just really hard to figure out. And this is when we're going to dive into the offense, my friend, because we're still talking about it. I think this is maybe two or three pods in. We are still talking about this middle of the lineup, which is just defying I think just the normal expectations of what we, you know, just the baseline of what we we would expect from some of these guys. I mean, just check this out real quick. Anthony Rizzo at home last year had an OPS of 1.030. This season, it's 645 at home. He's hitting 139 with runners in scoring position. He hit 318 in 2019. Javier Baez his slash rate in 102 at bats at home this year, 157, 209, 235. Last year it was over 900, I believe it was 964, or I'm sorry, 933 at home. You know, it's these runners in scoring position, 184. Last year, 333. Schwarber, 195 at home, 962 OPS in 19. Just what is going on with these guys? It's all happening to them at the same time. And I'm kind of getting tired of the no fans and we can't watch the video in between the at-bats business because, yeah. you know, we, we've got a series. We've got a, enough of at-bats to say that this is just not just a slump. This is just them playing poorly. Well, and this is a – I don't even know how many season thing now. I mean, we're, we're going back to 17, 18, 19. It's the same guys having the same problems over and over and, it, you know, the no fans and no video, it, it ain't stopping the Dodgers from doing their thing, right? So I'm kind of with you on the no excuses. And I just, you know, we can get individually in a second, but I got some stats for you for overall team offense. Team batting average, 227. Oof. 12 out of 15 in the National League. 348 hits to 463 Ks. 11th in the National League. 7th in home runs in the National League. Our, op- our own base percentage, 10th in the National League. Slug, 9th in the National League. OPS, 10th in the National League. So a lot of just – And real quick, just so we're checking, just so we're scoring at home, there's only eight teams that make the playoffs, correct, out of the yes. National League? And all those yes. numbers sound to be outside the top eight, and yet we're over 500. They I'm, I'm are, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, continue. No, no. So those are just some team stats. You know, as far as, like, the individual guys, if, you know, we, if we, keep, we keep saying this, like, who needs to be the guy – that, that steps up, right? And, like, you know, you, we were kind of talking before the pod about how Willie's kind of done his job now, right? Like, we like his approach. He's hitting the ball hard. He's hitting with runners on. He's taking his walks. And then I look at, you know, to me, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little three-person triangle of guys you have to choose from, whether it's KB, Javi, or Riz. I think that KB's injuries have just eaten this season alive. So I don't have faith at this point that it's going to be him. I didn't mention him uh, either, you know? Right. I'm with you. Uh, Javi, at some point, we can do a whole podcast where I give a lecture on how infuriating it is to me that Javi Baez will not ever recognize his true greatness until, until, until for the 50,000th time in a row, he changes his damn approach at the plate. So I'm not even going to have faith that I think it's him. Can he go on a little one-week heater where he remembers, oh, there is right field. I can't hit the ball there, possibly. But to me, it's the guy you just mentioned. It is Rizzo. Because to me, he is the guy that will go up there, and he will go up with the right approach. He'll go up there. If he gets behind to, you know, on a 1-2, 0-2, he shortens up. He does his thing. He has 33 Ks to 23 walks. That's just over a 1-1, to whereas Javi is 9-1 to Ks to walk. 
KB is seven to one case or sorry, five to one case to walks guys like that in the middle of your order, especially when you have like a half getting on base at a 400 clip, they kill you. They kill rallies. They kill innings. They kill the first and second one out. The base is loaded. Nobody out that strike. And we talked about this before the season begins. Our worry of putting Javi in that spot. Is he going to go up there and strike out too much and kill rallies? And it's exactly what he's done the entire season. And I think it was it was it yesterday where Rossi finally bumped him down a spot to five. I saw. Yeah, it was yesterday. Was the very first time. I Thank mean, he's moved God. him. To, he's moved him to clean up on a couple of occasions, especially when KB came back because we went to KB two and obviously Rizzo three yeah. by as a four. But yeah, it was the first time he got bumped down. And look, we've we've had our issues and you know critiques for every you know Cubs offensive player in the lineup. Except for, you know, Rizzo. Rizzo was always the guy that was just at the end of the day, we know he's going to hit 280-something. He's going to hit 25 to 30 bombs, driving over 90 runs. He's going to be there. You know, he, and I'm with you. He's so smart Yeah. at this point in his career where he knew how to manage these lulls at the plate and, and kind of get some base hits here on the side and just, you know, he's hitting us some bad luck at, some, at times. But honestly, he oh, yeah. seems just as confusing in between as, as a Javi Baez. And look, I didn't even mention KB because I don't really know what to tell you with KB. You know, my secret hope is that in the off season, and this is something that I think I have no information on. This This is just kind of my instinctual kind of feeling about it is I think in the off season, we're going to hear that he's going to have left shoulder surgery. And I think he's going to miss the beginning part of next year. And I don't think that he cares at all because it all leads up to free agency next year. It's not about him and the Cubs success It's about his career now. And I think that he's changed his swing because of that left shoulder injury. And I think he just can't cut yeah. it loose anymore the way that he used to. I think that his bat speed has slowed. He's had to change his swing a little bit. He had some success last year, you know, just roping doubles, sometimes yeah. catching that liner for a home run. But, you know, those big towering drives are a thing of the past. And it just seems like he's a bit of a shell of his former self. I mean, yeah. the dude has four RBIs right now. I, I, and, Our 2016 MVP, who at right now thinks that he's going to get $250 million in the open market and probably turned down at $200 million from the Cubs not too long ago. He has four RBIs right now. And, and as our great uh, friend Dominic Fortini would say, that's four more than me. That's you correct. Know I mean? and, and I'm not asking for $250 million, you know. So I, 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 don't, I, I would not be surprised that what you're saying about his shoulder does come true. And again, we're not doctors, but we, we kind of heard this the last couple of years about his shoulder. Why didn't he have the surgery in the beginning? Why did he just try to rehab it? And again, we're not trainers, we're not doctors, but his swing has changed. And then you put on top of that, all of the other just nicks and nacks, diving for a ball, you know, getting beamed in an elbow, not his fault, but all these things. That's why, like I said, I think all of those things have eaten his season alive. Now, I think his on base is still like 320, so he's still going to give you an at-bat. But if you're looking for a hard hit ball, you're looking for that KB, like you just said, gapper in the double or the ball in the bleachers, probably not going to see a ton of that this year because of the injuries. But it, all, it all just it all culminates, right? And you're right. Yeah, his on-base yeah. percentage is 100 points more than his batting average, yeah. which is honestly a decent sign no matter how poor your yeah. batting average is. If it's 100 points over, you're, you're kind of working with someone that at least knows what they're doing at the plate. And, you know, Baez, pitch selection, being in between stuff with KB – He's just straight up missing stuff. And I just don't yeah. think – I think it's in his head where it's almost like a, a golfer with a bad back. Yeah. You pull out the driver, 
and you, you almost you, you hold back for three or four seconds when you lean back not to hurt yourself and let's be real that just messes with your mechanics and you're just it's not going to win you're not going to yeah. win either way so it's, yeah it's, it's tiger woods with the bad back you're right right and and i just that's just what i see as someone that loves chris bryant so much that is cheered for him every second along the way he does not look like himself i just don't think it's a slump i think there's something more going on and i would not be surprised if we see that in the offseason because at the end of the day the dude's got to get right and it will affect his trade value and as of right now i would probably say chris bryan is borderline untradeable um i wouldn't do it because not just because of the the asset but because the asset is so depreciated the return yeah I, yeah i just don't think we would get back what we would want to get back so i think he's on the cubs next year whether we like it or not yep and then he probably walks after after that year too as well because I don't think the Cubs want to give him a long term deal and someone will be stupid enough like the Blue Jays or something will give him one ninety five if he can come back and play healthy next year. And 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 none of us can be upset at the Cubs about that if that is the case, right? If if he not if, anymore. If he can't if he comes back again next year and he's a shell of himself or not quite you know a third of the RBIs you should have 15 home runs. And, you know, you have to just tip your cap, say thank you very much for what you did for 15 and 16. God bless the rest of your career. Go home to San Diego, go to Toronto, whoever wants to give you the money. God bless to you and your family. We appreciated the time here, but we just can't do it. We had you for your twenties and yeah. now it's time to go off and live your thirties, my friend. And we know yeah. a lot about that. <laughs> we know yes, a lot about did. our thirties yes, and look, did. and look, let's kind of spin it. I want to spin it positively because that's what I like to do, especially when I think about my Cubs, right? Where we keep, you know, we're texting, we watch every single game. When is this offense going to turn around? When is it going to turn around? Is it going to happen? And look, let's be honest. If it does happen, we are entering an area when if it does happen, it's coming at a pretty damn good time yes. with about 12 games to go. You know, if they start putting it together, if you start seeing Rizzo hit the ball at the ballpark, if you start seeing Baez going opposite field, if you see Schwarber kind of start maybe taking some balls oppo too as well, and things start clicking in the next four or five games, that is the perfect time to enter a playoff situation red hot or maybe in the first time this season actually click the way that we thought it would on paper heading into the season. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's kind of like – the worst thing to have a day off today, right? Like you, you had the ninth inning explosion. You, you get the no-no and the energy and the offense of that yesterday. Let's just keep going. Come on in, Cleveland. Let's play today and keep it going. And, I, you know, I think you're 100% you're right about the offense. If it clicks now, it's the perfect timing. Same thing as the bullpen. If it's starting to click now, perfect timing. Because the starting pitching has been there. The defense, which I think I sent you a staff the other night, they're like seventh in baseball. The defense has been back. And we know pitching and defense wins in the playoffs. But what, what scares me a little bit is that almost what happened Saturday, right? Hendricks gives up the, the two-run homer because our pitching staff, even a Darvish, loves to give that solo shot up, a two-run bomb up, is that we're going to go into a playoff game and it's going to be a 2-1 loss because the offense just could not score against a decent to good pitcher in the playoffs, which is what we're going to see whether it's the Cardinals in the first round, the Marlins in the first round, they can all pitch a little bit. You got to score some too. So now is the time to take advantage and score some runs. Remember there's a right field hobby. Remember you're allowed to take a walk. Seven walks and 188 ABs don't cut it when you have the skills that El Mago has on the base pass, right? Look what he did. He stole home on a fly ball, on a sack fly. Just get on base. Get on the damn base. You're a magician, El Mago. He's so 
like eternally frustrated at the plate because he's yes. missing cookies left and right. And then once he does, it kind of ruins him for the rest of the game where if he well, misses it, a spinner yeah, I mean, in the first at bat, the rest of the game, he's just trying to get that pitch back somehow. And well, it's and then, yeah. really ruining up, ruining the rest of his game. And then take that and look at like Riz, how we, we just talked about him, why he is my guy and your guy we mentioned. As big, of, as big as that A-B that Jay Hay had was, look at the bat right before him. Rizzo coming off the bat, off the bench in the pitch. He gets down 0-2. What does he do? Shortens up, and he just flips that little breaking ball out in the right field. First to third, here comes Jay Hay. Boom, Cubs winner. It's the approach. It's everything when you're a batter. And they got time. They do. <laughs> they, got, they got time to sort it out. And I'm, I, let's just maybe I'm maybe try and put a little foresight on it. I'm going to yes. call it right now. I think we're going to get through these next couple of games. Hopefully we play well. Hopefully they're a playoff-type atmosphere because the Indians and Twins yep. are both playoff teams. And then hopefully once we hit that Pittsburgh four-game series, we can really we can beat up on – like they're yep. up the track. They're done. Maybe we can get some feel-good beat-up games there get some of these guys right and go in and how funny is it we expanded the playoffs this year and for a lot of people you're thinking oh diluted competition this first round is going to be a lot of fun I tell you right now I'm looking at the bottom of that eight and there really isn't a team on that list that I kind of want to face I don't want to see the Cardinals for a three-game series the Miami Marlins granted they just gave 29 points to the Braves like four or five days ago but they got some pitchers on that team too as yep. well. I'm not I'm not thinking that there's some sort of cakewalk. This is this is going to be a really interesting playoff run for a lot of these different teams. I don't think there's any slam dunk first round matchup that the Cubs should be hoping for. Oh, absolutely not. And, and take like the Marlins, right? Like they can pitch and they're also a team that's just like, what are we even doing here? We were supposed to be awful this year. Oh my god, we're in the playoffs. Let's just go out and play. It's like the 2015 Cubs. Those those kind of teams scared the shit out of me way more than the team that's supposed to be great. Hello, every year the Dodgers are in the playoffs, supposed to be great, get sent home. It's the team like the Marlins or the 2015 Cubs are like, eh, we're just young and we're just happy and we play baseball for a living. And then they go out and you're like, wait a minute, why are they in the NLCS right now? So, yeah, you're right. There's nobody down there that's a cakewalk. It's, you know, we should have home field advantage for that first round before we enter the bubble. But, again, we got to play better at home for that to matter, right? Well, in the, in the first round, I mean, the NL Central, winning the NL Central is going to be important for the Cubs yeah. because we want to play those games at home. We yeah. really do. I don't think we want to go on the road and mess around with any of that. I definitely think we want to be playing at Wrigley Field. Sean, before we get you out of here, 12 games to go. The Cubs 28-10, and 10, four games up in the division. We're talking offense here. We do it pretty much every pod. Yeah. We're going to put, you know, let's put the spotlight on one person, one player, you know, it could be pitcher, it could be hitter. Maybe it could be a position. If you could put the spotlight on one area of the Cubs team that you want to see really come up and, and start making some things happen over the next 10 or 12 games, you know, who, who would that be for you? I think the last time I think I picked the second baseman between yeah. Horner and Kipnis. Kipnis has done okay, but as we noticed, we brought Vargas up and we've been playing Bodie over second base more. Nico just doesn't look like he's going to be able to help us a whole lot this year. Yep. Um, you know, who would you put the spotlight on for these final 12 games? Oh, man. I, you know, it has to be offensively for sure because the bullpen, which we were all bitching about in the beginning, they, they've shored up. They've done their thing. I still have my faith in Darvish and Hendricks. Lester gave me a good outing and let me take a breath on him. Millsy coming off a no-no. 
So it's got to be the offense. And, man, again, I think I just have to go back to a guy like Riz because he's sitting there right at number three in the order. Like we just said, KB's banged up. Javi is just a crapshoot. I just have – I just I, – I, I want that kid to do his thing, but I just don't know if, if he will. So, for me, it's got to be Riz. He's Captain Cub. He's a gold glover at first base. I need him to come up there, especially in those big moments like the ninth inning on Saturday, have that good approach, and just do his thing. And I think if, if Hap can do what he's doing, if Willie can do what he's doing, Jay can do what he's doing, you get Riz going, and all of a sudden th- at least three of your top four or five hitters – Added on to what guys like Kipnis is doing at the bottom, that's, 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 that's getting back into that, that tasty territory again. I want to play the game where I, I zag when you zig, but I'm sticking with Rizzo too as well. Yeah. I think he's the linchpin to this whole thing working out. And I'm with you, KB. Whatever we get from him is probably gravy at this point. You know, yeah. If he gets hot to end the season, I will actually be surprised. Baez... I have faith that Baez can perhaps snap his way out of it, but he's so deep in this slump right now that I just don't know exactly what snapping out of it will look like. I don't think it'll look like the MVP Javi Baez. It'll just be basically a guy that can hopefully maybe hit 260 for us. Which we would take. Right. And Kyle Schwarber at this point, you know, he's been drawing some more walks. He's been seeing some pitches. I do think he might be on the precipice of knocking a few balls out of the ballpark over the next week or so which would be, we would consider a hot streak for him. But I just don't think Schwarber is the type of guy that carries a team offensively. So I'm looking at Rizzo. He's the only guy that can do it all right. He can hit the ball out of the ballpark. He can get a single to the opposite field with two strikes. He can coax a walk when we need it. He can get a big hit when we ask for it. You know, he's the only dude, and he's the one guy that throughout all the years, he's started off slow. He's gone through rough patches, but he always bounces back. He always levels off. He just hasn't done that yet this season. I think he's got 12 games right now where at the end of the day, it's not going to look great on the back of the baseball card. But I think in these next 12 games, we can at least get the Anthony Rizzo that we know and love and hopefully can carry us through the playoffs. And I think that could be so galvanizing to an offense that has been (laughs) – it's been really hard to watch. It's been really hard to watch this season. And I'm going with Rizzo with you. I agree. Well, yeah, and just think about – you always hear about how much influence, like it's Anthony Rizzo's room. Just imagine the, the you know, the boost that that the vaccine it it might be for the Cubs offense if Rizzo in particular gets going and starts getting hot because the rest of that team just feeds off of him so much. If he can get it going, I think contagious starts coming along, and maybe you see and some other guys jump on that bandwagon too. Sean Graves, thank you so much for joining us here on Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Make sure you head to BetOnline.ag and sign up today. They've got a lot of great sign-up bonuses for you. A lot of great action. Week two is on the way. There's going to be a lot of baseball, a lot to talk about. And then we've got MLB playoffs. It is finally here. Thank you so much for checking out the pod. we got plenty more great stuff coming up this week, talking more baseball, talking some more football, Bears versus Giants coming up, so make sure you check that out. Until then, be well, be safe, be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.